Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Fantasy Podcast, Chris Schubert, Jamie Eisner back again on a Tuesday with what is a lot to get into. We have the last playoff game to recap here on the show. We have Jamie's way too early mock draft round three that we need to discuss. We're going to preview the games for this upcoming weekend. We'll try to sneak in the fantasy fits from Kyle Krabs' latest mock draft uh, over on thedraftnetwork.com. There is a lot a lot, a lot to get into, but the playoffs continue to move on. We have the divisional round coming up. If you're like my father, who has just found the betting scene in New York and is asking me for advice, if you're looking to find a place to bet on all of the football action, bet online remains the number one spot for all the best sports wagering action for 2022. New year, new updated desktop. Use the promo code BLEAV, B-L-E-A-V, when you sign up, and you are going to get a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Football, basketball, hockey, boxing, UFC, even your favorite Vegas casino games. Bet online, the fastest and easiest way to wager on all your favorite sports. Bet online where the game starts. Jamie, I kind of filibustered there at the top because I saw you getting your, what I think were extensive notes Breaking down last night's Monday Night Football playoff game. Oh, I, know how ext- I know how extensive these notes are. Um, yeah, I don't want to spike the football on everybody here, but kind of told you, show on this Cardinals team, because this is exactly how I anticipated this game going, that they weren't going to show up. Now, the Rams absolutely obliterating them in the first half, not necessarily exactly the way I expected it. But the Cardinals not showing up, not being pre- prepared, being a poorly coached team. Yep, that sounds about the way the last two months were going for this football team. Yeah, this was a a team woefully unprepared for the challenge in front of them uh, in this game. And, you know, from the – look, look, we – so a little bit of behind the scenes. For those of you that follow, whether it's TDN Fantasy or any of the Draft Network podcasts or or personalities or people or whatever you would call me and Chris, uh, we, we have a daily meeting Monday through Friday. And it's usually right after we record this podcast or, you know, within a little bit because Chris has this like block here where it's like me, it's draft dudes, and then we, we roll right into a team meeting. And unlike most corporate like team meetings, which are like really annoying and, you know, you have your hands on meeting and you have to sit there with you like you turn your Zoom off and you just like kind of roll your eyes as they tell you a bunch of things that are really not relevant to your job any given day, but you're, you're, you're responsible there. We talk about a lot of current events. We do a lot of scouting reports and whatnot. And I would say about – Two, two and a half months ago, one of the big topics of the conversation was when, when the Cardinals were off to a very hot start and the company CEO, who you may know as Paige Demakos, who – remember when she was on this show? I remember. Yeah, I, I remember. remember her. Uh, she brought up we – we're talking about the whether or not the Cardinals were true Super Bowl contenders. And we were talking about a lot of different things they're doing on offense and Kyler Murray's progression and how, you know, blah, 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 blah. blah. The pushback from some in our group, which included us too, was what was going to happen when this team started to face some adversity because we had seen them show flashes before but then struggle in the second half. And quite frankly, that's been the Cliff Kingsbury coaching mantra from the beginning of that his teams just have terrible finishes. But what was going to happen when this team started to face actual adversity? Would they be able to overcome their issues? 
Would they be able would Kyler Murray be able to overcome some of his body language issues? Would Cliff be able to overcome his game management and game planning issues? And it was that was still to be determined at that time. Well, since then we have watched them fade, to put it nicely, in the regular season. And quite frankly, uh I mean, look, it, New England and Philadelphia also played, so I can't say they had necessarily the worst performance of wildcard weekend, but an abysmal performance, uh, to put it quite frankly. And uh, I don't expect Cliff to be fired this year. Uh, I do think he has one more year at best where he better win play- a playoff game at minimum. But it, it just this was, this was a, a terrible showing for Arizona and should be a really interesting ma- – that's a really interesting matchup uh, with the Rams and the Buccaneers uh, on the Sunday late afternoon slash night game depending on where you are in the country. It was a complete meltdown for a team that started the year 7-0, and and maybe we should have looked more closely at that 7-0 and start in which four of those seven wins were against the Jags, Vikings, Browns, and Texans. Maybe we should have called that out for what it was, but this football team finished the season 1-4 and four in the regular season. They backed their way into the playoffs because of that hot start. They did not play well in the most important stretch of the season, and then... By the way, against a team and a coach that absolutely has owned them over the since he's gotten there, Sean McVay absolutely owns the Arizona Cardinals, and he came in with a game plan. And this is the problem with Cliff Kingsbury. He does not have the ability to adjust to you adjusting to him. He comes in with a game plan. If you figure out his game plan and you make it difficult for him, he cannot adjust. Because, Jamie, I got to tell you, Rondell Moore healthy, James Conner healthy, Chase Edmonds healthy. I know you don't have DeAndre Hopkins, but you haven't had him for most of the season. You have found a way to win football games and play meaningful football games and be good and be able to put yourself in a position to win. You have all three of those guys back, and you're having Kyler Murray hold on to the ball for three seconds and take deep shots down the field to A.J. Green. I I just didn't understand the game plan from the word go. You have Zach Ertz. You You have Christian Kirk. Couldn't get these guys involved in the offense. And listen, on the other side of the ball, let's give credit where credit is due because everyone wants to talk about the Cardinals meltdown and there's a little bit of goalpost moving here. Everybody told me that Matt Stafford didn't have the ability to win a big playoff game. He won a big playoff game. Wasn't all because of him, a large part due to the Cardinals meltdown, but you can't take away that Matt Stafford played in a playoff game and now he's got a win in his record books for the playoffs. He played well, did not turn the ball over, put this Because this game, Jamie, in the first quarter or so, it was close still. Well, the Rams had not taken over completely. It, the Cardinals were going three and out. The Cardinals were going the three and out. But one Stafford interception that everybody told me was going to come in this football game would have potentially changed the course of the game. It never came. Never happened. It was close only because, like, at that point, like, we were like, oh, it's only a one-score game in, into the second quarter. Well, yeah, the, I, the context the Rams, the Rams of that were, was the Rams had yeah. two drives, and they were driving on the third drive as they entered the second quarter. So, like, that's not – they were that yeah, game wasn't They close. were in, like – they were inside the 25. No, but a Stafford pick at that point in the game could have changed the game because it sure. could have given the Cardinals energy. It didn't happen, though. That mistake never came from Stafford. He no, played the and, game and, that he needed to play to win the football game. And the Cardinals had nothing to respond to. So that's I think that's about enough on this game. Uh, just a dress. Whoa, 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 whoa. Cam Akers, baby. Oh, Come yeah, on. that's fair. That's fair. Uh, so, okay. So Cam, obviously, if we talked a little bit about him in the way too early mock draft uh, last week. Uh, about how much I liked him. And I said, we're going to get a chance to see him a little bit in this postseason. We're going to feel way more comfortable. And, and this was a hell of a way to start. Looks at, looked very, uh, looked fast, explosive, spry. We had 95 total yards in this game. 
Uh, could have had more. He had that one. He had that one nice catch down the sideline. Almost had the second time. The first time he almost had one. Uh, that could have had an even yeah. bigger day for him. Looks unbelievably phenomenal right now. And there is this weird group though. I feel like I have to point this out because it's been annoying me on on the bird app, as the kids say these days on Twitter. Uh, okay. Of just like everybody trying to at this point be like. Nobody like nobody can understand how crazy this thing is with Cam Akers. Everybody understands how crazy what Cam Akers is doing six months yeah, after the, tearing Achilles. Every with literally everybody is talking about it. So there's the, this weird like one-upsmanship of people on Twitter acting like that like no, they're the only people that are appreciating how crazy this is when it's literally everything anybody's talking about. Yeah, the bird app was getting me angry last night with uh, another Cam Akers-related story, not about him coming back from the injury, but everybody thinking that he knew that Buda Baker was injured when he decided to make his gesture, and I, I thought people were just getting angry for no reason. Buda, Cam Akers had clearly had no idea that Buda Baker was hurt on the play in which he ran him over and made his little gesture. He talked about it after the game, sent out a tweet. I think everyone just needs to take a second and relax. Jamie, I, I really think for this Rams team to be successful in this postseason, and they played like a team that could make a Super Bowl run with the way they played last night, uh, obviously against an opponent that they they were they, was a mismatch in their favor. I think Cam Akers is the key. I think if they are able to continue to have that kind of running game with Cam Akers, because listen, I, Sony Michelle looked good first play of the game for the Rams on offense. He broke off like a 25-yard run. Yeah, I think it's like 35 I, yards, yeah. I thought Akers just looked different. He just had he's, he's, a speed and a, and a bounce and he a burst to him that that team had been missing for this part of the season. If you had the rough and tough tumble of the way Sony Michelle can run with the speed element of Cam Akers, that is a two-headed running back monster that I think this Rams team can ride to to the Super Bowl. It's a different level of talent. Like, look, I don't think Sony Michelle is an overly talented player. He gets you what you need from him, and this is what the Rams scheme up. Cam Akers is a difference maker. Uh, he's special, and obviously, when he's going to have a whole off season of recovery, in addition to the six months that he's already been out, uh, it's why he needs to be a very high fantasy draft pick, and, and why he's already off the board here in the way too early twenty twenty two mock. He is already off the board. I would like to um, offer this up to you in this way, Jamie. Do you want me to recap round two, or do you want me to just recap round two as we go through the teams in round three and mention the player that they picked in round two? I will leave it up to you. It is your mock draft. You wrote it. How would you like me to present it to the world? I'd say just go team by team. Just to say when, when we introduce the team, who they already uh, who they who already they've already first. selected. Okay, so we will start with the first pick in the third round, and this is a team that when we last closed the show on Tuesday, this team picked Mike Evans in the second round, and they had Derrick Henry in the first round. And Jamie, you have an interesting name coming off the board here because we don't know where this player is going to play next season. Leonard Fournette is the player off the board here for this team. He is an unrestricted free agent. We have the playoff Lenny from 2021. We do not have playoff Lenny right now, for this Tampa Bay Buccaneers team, you have him coming off the board here. I have, I will be completely honest with you. I have no idea what running back this is. We are into the third round. I have no idea what running back off the board this is, but you have him joining Derrick Henry and Mike Evans on this team. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, you could, if you just read the very last line. Oh, it's in the blurb. It's in the blurb. It, 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 it I didn't does, read the story. It does say I didn't that read he, the story. Is, uh, RB he is RB 16 okay. here coming off the first pick of the third round. And, you know, again, we've talked about some of these UFAs already, whether it's like Devontae Adams or, or you know, we're going to talk about another one here a little bit later in this round at the at the wide receiver position. But it's you kind of have to split the difference here a little bit, because if he returns to Tampa Bay next year and you have a better, clear idea what his role is going to be, obviously, on a return than if he goes somewhere else, 
you'd feel really excited. Uh, look, he finishes a top five running back in total points last year, RB7 in average fantasy points per game. Uh, you know, like if he goes back to Tampa Bay, I, I, I'm perfectly okay with, with taking him as like a low-end RB1 and, and having him go off the board one round sooner. But right now, I don't know. Like Tampa Bay is going to lose some players this year. Unlike last year, they're going to lose some guys. And you wonder whether – you know, with with Jones there still, and and, and Keyshawn Vaughn, and maybe they, they draft the running back finally. They, like I, I, they might not want to allocate the funds needed to Leonard Fournette when they have other needs and other players that they want to bring back. So, got to at least account for that. But for right here, uh, he's been sensational literally since the start of last year's postseason. And you know, hopefully, we'll get a chance to see him play in the divisional round in the in, in the Sunday game against the Rams and, and feel a little bit more confident in him. But to me, this is more so. Where is he going to play? And to me, if he's outside of Tampa Bay, there's a chance there's a chance he falls a few more spots from here. If he's back in Tampa Bay, he will rise up a few more spots. So as I've said a lot on the show, I'm going to split the difference here, and this is where he kind of lands for me. The second pick in the third round, joining Jonathan Taylor, who was this team's first-round pick, and Travis Kelsey, who was this team's second-round pick, is Keenan Allen wide receiver for the Los Angeles Chargers. And Jamie, you make note here in the story that probably one of the biggest factors here is that Mike Williams is a pending free agent. Doesn't necessarily mean that he's going to be coming back to the Chargers. Could be looking uh, to be playing elsewhere in 2022. And uh, as this offense continues to grow under Justin Herbert, if Keenan Allen is there, that is going to be a, a, a partnership, a relationship that everyone's going to point to between Herbert and Keenan Allen. Yeah, and as I mentioned in, in the piece, which you can read at the draftnetwork.com, G-plug, uh, it was kind of an off year for Keenan Allen. Uh, you know, he had no 20-plus point games this past year after having three the year before. Obviously, Mike Williams is the one that garnered all the attention in the first half of the season and then completely fell off a cliff uh, later in, in the second half of the year, uh, which now has multiple meanings because falling off a cliff in the second half of the season now start you spell cliff with a K. Uh, but back to back to Keenan Allen here. Still finishes the wide receiver 11 total points, wide receiver 12 on a points per game basis. So he still gave you wide receiver one type of production. You just didn't quite live up to his, you know, a top five, top six, top seven wide receiver spot where he's kind of been hanging around there in the middle of the top 10 because he just didn't have enough boom games this year. I expect that to change next year. He's got a great quarterback situation. Whether or not Mike Williams comes back next year or not, I still like him in this spot here. Uh, and, and I think he's going to actually going to be a player that maybe get at a slight, slight value here in the back end of wide receiver one territory. I'm willing to buy all the way back in. I'll tell you what, Jamie, this next team that you've put together here, I'm, st- I'm liking. I'm liking this team. So team three in the third round, pick 3.3. They took Austin Eckler in the first round. They took Aaron Jones in the second round. And they're adding a player who falls here mainly because he was taken high last year. And injuries and underperformance has led to him not having a good season. So Jamie's caking in a little bit of a of a move down the board for this guy. The phenomenal AJ Brown comes off the board here at three dot three. Uh, Jamie, I like the way this team has come together. Like I said, Eckler, Jones, and AJ Brown. That's a nice start. It's it is a nice start. I'm AJ Brown was one of the toughest players. So so far we are through what this is pick twenty seven. Uh, sure. and, and this was one of the hardest players for me to find a spot for because you you believe in the talent because he's a phenomenal talent. And obviously, I know exactly where I had him ranked last year and how excited I was to have A.J. Brown on, on my team. And then he really just quite frankly didn't have a good season. Like there's just I, as there's really no way around it. 
I mean, he, he finished outside the top 25 in average fantasy points per game, finished outside the top 30 in total points. I didn't love what I saw from Ryan Tannehill this year. I don't think really anybody did. But still a top 27 player for you, Jamie. Still a top 27 player. Yeah, because the, on the talent. Ha- he still has. I want to bet on the talent and I, I want to bet on the upside. And the upside here is is top three fantasy wide receiver. Like I, th- that's within the realm of possibility, I believe. So I'm going to bet on the talent here and go with what closer to what I thought about him this coming season as we went into fantasy drafts than I think of him based on what the season he just had. Uh, I expect him to come off the board earlier than this um, in general. And also keep in mind, again, I, I go so RB heavy that these receivers tend to fall a little bit in these mock drafts because I go basically on how I would draft these teams. But uh, I, I, th- taking A.J. Brown next year does not come without apprehension. I'll just say that. The next pickup, 3.4, joining Alvin Kamara and Antonio Gibson. So this is a team that drafted two running backs with their first two picks. Got to get some wide receivers in the building. They do so here with a guy, Jamie, who finished as the wide receiver eight in total and average fantasy points with Ben Roethlisberger throwing him the football. Deontay Johnson comes off the board here. And, Jamie, I, I think this is a player that it's easy for you, and I'm not taking a shot, I think it's easy to put him here now because we don't know who the quarterback is going to be for this team next season. But if the quarterback on this Pittsburgh team is, is an established person and not a rookie i think you could see deontay johnson as a name that shoots up the board because people are just going to look at this and say man he's going to have a better quarterback than he did last year and look at what he did last year yeah so so he sneaks in here he's wide receiver 11 so far in this draft and and he finished better than that this year he was wide receiver eight both total and average fantasy points per game um you know he showed another step forward he was in the wide receiver two category last year and you know, he had – I thought it was his consistency. And and that's part of what – when you have these high-volume uh, reception receivers, whether you play in half PPR or full PPR, uh, they just kind of have a higher floor for you. He had just three single-digit outputs in half PPR all season long and scored a dozen points or more in every other game he played. Uh, so – but there there are there is two schools of thought I have, and, and I have kind of have this like – you know, like the devil on your shoulder, angel on your shoulder type of thing. I'm sure. having that sign of kind of same thing when it comes to the quarterback position in Pittsburgh, when it relates to Deontay Johnson, because part of me goes, I love the fact that he got so much volume from big Ben because Roethlisberger was physically incapable of throwing the ball down the field, just physically, not that Deontay Johnson can't go down the field, but in the way that he was using this offense, like Ben Roethlisberger could not go down the field. So it very much limited his options. Do I expect more explosive plays for Deontay Johnson with a better quarterback next year? Yes. Do I expect the same sort of volume? Maybe not. And I think there's a little bit of a pro and a con you have to weigh there. And we'll see who the quarterback is there, whether it's a rookie like Sam Howell or Carson Strong or or Kenny Pickett. Uh, is, it, is it Mason Rudolph? Is it Dwayne Haskins? Is it uh, Russell Wilson? We don't know. There, There is a... I think that is the other interesting thing. This could, this could be literally anybody from Mason Rudolph to a rookie to a future Hall of Famer. Like, we have no idea who is going to be under center in Pittsburgh next year. But uh, I do think there is a pro and con to a quarterback switch when it relates specifically to Deontay Johnson and his fantasy value. That needs to be accounted for. The next team up, 3.5. They've taken Joe Mixon and Debo Samuel, another team. that. So is, let's add a uh, third running back. Well, you do add you do add another running back, but I understand the joke Debo that you joke, made. Chris. Yeah, it's a Debo Samuel joke. I By the understood. way, we are we are 
as predicted, we are already seeing people petition for Debo to have RB eligibility next year. So did you uh, see what, it, what did you see what they how they used him in a playoff game? Of course, people are going to petition so, for that. Uh, I, my guess there will be, as I've said all along, there will be a platform that has that, that. does it. Yep, I guarantee it. Uh, David Montgomery is going to join this team, and Jamie, this is a bet on your part on the production that we've seen from David Montgomery, but also a bet on the fact that. There's a new coaching staff that's going to be coming into this building. We don't know who that coaching staff is, but there will be a new person uh, leading this team as head coach and running the offense, and we will see what that looks like. But that appears to be the bet that you are making here, that Montgomery's already been productive and there's going to be a new voice in that room. Yeah, I mean, look, he, he's got a couple of back-to-back years of fairly strong fantasy production. Uh, on, on a per-game basis, he was, I mean, he snuck into RB1 territory, RB12 and average fantasy points per game. Uh, in the games he played, he had 20 or more points in a quarter of them. So, I mean, he was a little bit more boomer bust this year than you would t- particularly like, but it is what it is. At the end of the day, you got to take what you can get at the running back position, and he had plenty of boom efforts from him. Uh, there, There is this narrative I've seen go around from, again, people I, I respect in the fantasy community that that they're worried about David Montgomery, that Khalil Herbert's going to have a much bigger role next year. Uh, I don't necessarily think so. Um I, I'm also I'm unsure why a new coaching staff would be more excited about Khalil Herbert than they would about David Montgomery, considering they didn't draft either. Like I, I don't, someone has to explain to me the logic about why they would take touches from Montgomery to give it to Khalil Herbert just because it's a new coaching staff, because the new coaching staff didn't draft Herbert either. So uh, I'm not quite sure how that computes. In, in but I've seen that narrative out there. Uh, I'm more than happy to take him here as a mid-level RB too. I think he, I mean, RB 17 at this point, like I think you're going to absolutely get more than your return on your investment from him. Expect the offense to be better. I expect this offense to be way more freaking creative than the Matt Nagy (laughs) offense and Bill Lazor offense was, regardless whether it's Dable, whether it's Brian Flores, whatever Brian Flores and new OC, whatever it ends up being in Chicago, it cannot be as, unjust and feels friendly as what we saw roll out there this year. So I expect the entire Bears offense to look a lot more competent. The midway point of the draft, 3.6, joining Dalvin Cook and Stephon Diggs is a player that I think in years past would have been drafted a lot higher than this, but uh, based on the year that he had, being injured, not participating all that much, not surprised to see him down this far. DeAndre Hopkins comes off the board here, Jamie, and we talked about the Cardinals a little bit at the top. I think this is going to be extremely interesting. Christian Kirk and A.J. Green are both set to leave. Uh, DeAndre Hopkins is there long-term in, in Arizona. And I, I I think we have seen the difference that it makes for Kyler Murray's game when DeAndre Hopkins plays for this Arizona Cardinal team. I think that connection is strong. And so just on that alone, you're going to get good value when he is healthy. But you do have the first year in which you've had major injury concerns, and that's something to at least factor into this decision. And that's probably what lands him here in the third round. Yeah, so he still barely sneaks into wide receiver one territory here at wide receiver 12. And look, there, there are a lot of different competing factors that I had to consider with DeAndre Hopkins. There's the obviously he finally had, had dealt with an injury after being remarkably healthy throughout his career. But maybe more concerning than that, because like injuries are going to happen. Um, more concerning, it's not like he like tore his ACL or something. You know, uh, it, it's a hamstring injury. And, and it's torn MCL, but a torn MCL or a torn PCL is, is not the same as a torn ACL. Uh, so it's not even that that has me more concerned. It was more of DeAndre Hopkins has been an absolute volume monster for a long time, going back to Houston, going back to his first year in Arizona. He wasn't that this year, even prior to getting hurt. And my concern is going to be, will the Cardinals revert back to that? And I feel, I feel like it, it would be a regression for Kyler Murray to revert back to that, but it might be their best chance to win in the short term. 
but we didn't see that sort of volume that we saw from from Murray and Hopkins in that first season. And even if you exclude his injuries, like he's this is a guy that was the was scoring the 16th most fantasy points per game. So he wasn't even an RB one or excuse me a, a wide receiver one there, and he didn't have the same sort of target volume. But he's got an unbelievable amount of talent. He is the number one option on this team. We don't know what – I mean, I don't think A.J. Green's coming back. Christian Kirk, I, I'm assuming they're going to try to resign, but I, I don't imagine Green's coming back. So we don't know what the competition for targets is going to be. The targets that are going to get schemed up for Rondell Moore aren't going to be taken away from DeAndre Hopkins's plate. They are com- could not be more different as pass catchers for this team. So, you know, you have all that kind of stuff put together. And the reality is, is Hopkins still does have, if he gets that volume, top five, top six wide receiver upside. So – I think all of that says that I'm willing to take him here in the middle of the third round, willing to take him as a low-end wide receiver one, but uh, I'm not taking him as as a top seven or eight option like he's been like easily off the board uh, these last several years. The next pick up, 3.7, joining Christian McCaffrey and Ezekiel Elliott. Jamie, you're just adding r- rolls of the dice to just this team. This team is one big roll of the dice for 2022. Christian McCaffrey, who's who's all of a sudden found the injury bug over the last couple of seasons. Ezekiel Elliott, need I say more? Just watch the playoff game from Saturday. And you're adding Chris Godwin. Three injured players. Know, <laughs> we don't even know where he's going to play next season. I think that's the bigger question here. Uh, look, you've said it. I've said it. Tampa is not going to be able to, no matter what happens this season, they are not going to be able to do what they did last year and run it back and bring everybody back. They are not going to be able to do that again. And I think one of the players that is going to be able to see greener pastures in terms of dollars, in terms of opportunity, is going to be Chris Godwin, where he's going to be able to go and be a true number one threat in an offense and get paid a lot of money despite the injury. But, Jamie, I think you have to factor that into the ranking is that we don't know where he's going, so we don't know what his production is going to be because we don't know what kind of offense he's stepping into. That stuff matters, right? I think of Kenny Galladay. We saw what he, how good he was in Detroit, yeah. and the moment he went to New York, you and I were like, well, I don't know if I like that fit for Kenny Galladay. Yeah, not I taking anything away from Chris Godwin, but that could also be that could also be of thing. Kenny Galladay for a second. Obviously, you and I both talked about how we were avoiding him all off season, and we didn't, and we didn't like the fit. I could not have foreseen it being that bad. No, like, we no, thought it would be no. would be disappointing. No, yeah. I, I don't think I, we could have even I wouldn't have even dreamed it would be that bad. But so the Chris Godwin stuff is interesting for a number of factors because you obviously have the UFA status, but you have the injury status. You know, you tearing ACL. an ACL in December means you're no guarantee to play week one. So I mean that is a factor that we have to consider as well for Chris Godwin is that you know injury optimism is something that always whether it's in fantasy football or fantasy baseball or fantasy whatever. Whatever sport it is, is always a, a spot where fantasy managers get in trouble, where players that are injured at the time that you draft them, just assuming they're going to be back at their timeline. I'm sure everybody now is, is who took Curtis Samuel, who took Michael Thomas, they know, they understand. So I could actually see this slipping way further than this. My, I think he's got a decent chance to come back to Tampa Bay. I th- I'd argue he probably has a better chance than Leonard Fournette, as we're talking about the the two uh, major offensive UFAs here on the Buccaneers. I do think the torn ACL might give him a slight, slight discount, maybe enough to come back to Tampa Bay. And we obviously would, if he does, I think that's the best case scenario for him because we already know what the production is going to be. You can rank him as a wide receiver one. Uh, again, he might fall a little bit like here where he's wide receiver 13 because of the injury. But in terms of production, you can expect top 12 production, probably top 10 production from him and Tom Brady. He's got a ton of talent. But yeah, there are a lot of questions here. And 
I could very easily see him falling another full round depending on his injury status because, again, I, I know we're talking about UFA stuff, but even if you told me right now he was signing at Tampa Bay, I don't necessarily think I would put him higher. I, I'm a little bit more concerned at the moment by the ACL injury in terms of for next year because, you know, maybe he doesn't play week one, doesn't get a lot. Then it takes, you know, a little bit of time to get up to speed. If you're not playing in the preseason, you're not playing in the in training camp much. Like you, you're just, it'll take some time to get back up and rolling again. And, you know, you might, you might not, you might get that top 10 production from like week four on, but still got to play those first few weeks of the season. So uh, there is a lot of question marks. And again, but this team is going high upside, high risk. You got three guys with leg injuries right now on this team, McCaffrey, Elliott, and Chris Godwin. The next team, Najee Harris, DeAndre Swift. Speaking of risks, I'm stunned that you have this player in the third round. Calvin really? Ridley You're comes stunned. off the border. I'm stunned. Where are you taking because, Calvin Ridley next year if he's playing? Because I, we were t- people were taking him in the first round last year. But Jamie, he he sat out a whole. And again, first and foremost, I, I think we need to say at the start at the start, personal well being, mental health takes precedent sure. over everything we're, we're, again, we're talking about here. As we talk about the as a reminder for those who maybe not have listened to our show when we've done this before, we were talking about players in terms of fantasy value, not as human beings, not as anything else. We were talking specifically for fantasy football. We obviously wish Calvin Ridley the best. But he didn't play all, at, at all last year. That has to factor into this. He also yeah, that's why he's going in the third round, Chris. But he also doesn't want to be in Atlanta. You have it written down here, wide receiver Good. Atlanta. This guy's going to be gone. Good. And so maybe. I don't. Maybe. I don't know it. where he's going to get trade to Philadelphia, and I'm going to hate it. Okay. But. Okay. I don't know where he's playing next season. He didn't play all of last year. I watched the Atlanta offense because I had Kyle Pitts. Was not impressed. 10 out of 10 would not recommend watching the Falcons offense on a regular basis. Jamie, third round for a guy that's got a lot of question marks for a lot of things that are out of his control. Also could finish as the wide receiver one. He could. He's got that talent. He's <laughs> so very like good. That, that's, very be- that's the fact we have to consider here. Look, there are a lot of question marks. Again, this is like the question mark round, but the reality is, is even if Calvin Ridley just had a rough season this year, let's say he he played and finished as like the wide receiver. Let's just say he had the DeAndre Hopkins deal, okay? Finished as like the wide receiver 16, missed a few games with injury or whatever. You would be taking him higher than Hopkins. Like you'd be, you'd be taking him, you know, he, he would be in that second round conversation. So yes. I, I, I do think the risk is baked in a little bit as we here at pick what, 32? I mean, to tell you, I take the next receiver you have off the board in front of him. Next receiver or next pass catcher? Next receipt. I take the next three pass catchers in front of Calvin Ridley because I see what you're doing here. I would take the next three pass catchers in front of Calvin Ridley right now. Can I can I use that as a segue into yes, yeah, I segue do. Okay, into so the, the next pick here? So three dot nine joining Cooper Cup and Cam Akers is tight end two, tight end one in your hearts this season. And tight end one in the stat sheet this season. <laughs> Mark Andrews comes off the board here. Yeah, Jamie, I take Mark Andrews over, over Calvin Ridley right now. He did all of this. He had this great of a season. Lamar missed like the whole year. He didn't play. Not the whole year, but you understand I mean, the exaggeration I mean, I, I'm I, making. I, I, I think that's a little bit of an exaggeration. Also, like, I don't necessarily think that's an argument in favor. Like, he was getting a stupid amount of target share from Huntley. Like, again, Lamar's a better quarterback. Don't get me wrong. But Lamar is going to put the ball in more places. And obviously, they should have some semblance of a running game next year with, with uh, J.K. Dobbins and Gus Edwards back as well. So, uh, But yes, Mark Andrews here is next up off the board, tight end two. Uh, dude was an absolute monster down the stretch, a league winner for you down the stretch because from week 11 on, 
he was a target hog. He got eight or more targets in 75% of his games from week 11 on, despite three different quarterbacks, three different quarterbacks throwing him the football, had 10 double-digit games this year, four games of 22 points or more. It was just absolutely phenomenal. Uh, I don't think there's any debate about whether he's tight end too. I think the only debate is whether him or a Kelsey. And, and I think that'll be a fun conversation we have. Uh, I will say this, the difference between where Kelsey comes off the board of my mock and Andrews comes off the board is not indicative of the talent between the two of them. It's more indicative of tight end drafting philosophy and fans. 3.10 would definitely take this player in front of Calvin Ridley. Man who set the rookie what single season reception record. They could be teammates <laughs> next season. It is a possibility. Jalen Waddle comes off the board here, joining Nick Chubb and Jamar Chase. This team's rolling into next season with Jamar Chase and Jalen Waddle. That's fun. That's yeah, a good time. That, that is a fun team to put together. And look, Jalen Waddle was absolutely sensational. Was a top 10 wide receiver from week nine on in fantasy. Finishes the wide receiver 21 in points per game in total. Obviously set the rookie receptions record. And honestly, I kind of like that two was staying there for Jalen's case because again, for a lot of the same reasons that we talked about for the Deontay Johnson category, while Jalen Waddles obviously has the ability to do a lot more volume, 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 volume is huge for you. And considering how limited Tua is as a passer, uh, it makes Jalen Waddles role uh, even more exceptional and makes his target volume even more exceptional. And I'm really excited about what he could have next year. Like I, I, so he, he comes in here, what, a wide receiver 14, if I'm not mistaken, 15, 12, 13, 15. Wide receiver 15 is where he comes in right now, and I, and I think he easily returns that value. Like, I would not be shocked if we're talking about him, you know, as a wide receiver one next year. No, I, I do I, I do get your concern about volume, but I think a quarterback upgrade would be better for Jalen. I really do. Yeah, I, I think the, then they can really start to unlock all of what yeah, Jalen well do down the field. Yes. A QB upgrade to the players that they would actually upgrade to, yes. You know what I mean? Like, we're, t- we're not talking about them upgrading to like one of these quarterbacks in the draft. We're talking about upgrading no, to, to Sean Watson. Right. Like, you and know that, what I mean? Like, that, that's, that's a different. Like, because when we're talking about Pittsburgh, my concern is, is like the upgrade to a rookie Arkansas quarterback. Or right. And that's, you don't know what that looks or like. Or Mason Rudolph. Yeah. If, if they bring in Russell Wilson or Deshaun Watson, it's a different, that's a different category, which again, they're not, they're not going to draft a quarterback, Miami. Not in the, not one that's going to compete with two. 3.11, joining Justin Jefferson and Tyree Kill. Another tight end coming off the board here. Tight end three, I can do this math. George Kittle comes off the board here, Jamie. And I think the question mark here is you still have him at tight end three. I think everybody in the real world football community and in the fantasy football community assumes it will be Trey Lance throwing him passes next season. And conventional well. and conventional wisdom tells you Young quarterback learning an offense. Where's their safety net? Where's their go-to option when things get tough? It's the tight end. Potentially a good opportunity for George Kittle. Could be, but we also have to know that he's coming off of a significant volume share with Jimmy Garoppolo in his career as well. And will Trey Lance target him as often as Jimmy Garoppolo slash the other Iowa guys like C.J. Beathard, uh, you know, would. So uh, that that's the only concern. Um, I don't really have any concerns about him being tight end three. I don't think that anybody else is really in the conversation to to dethrone to, to him. I don't think Hawkinson should be in this conversation. I don't think Kyle Pitts should be in this conversation. Uh, I, I think it's very clearly should be George Kittle at three here. 
Uh, Double-digit fantasy points in six of his nine games to end the season after coming back from his injury. Love to see the production come back. Um, and, and to me, it just I, I, I there, there's a gap for me. I think in terms of confidence level, uh, I would not be shocked if somebody rose up into the top three next year. Like I think we've talked about a few people that could be in that category: Hawkinson, Kyle Pitts. Like it's possible. But I don't think you can draft somebody right now with the expectation that they will be above George Kittle. So he comes in as that clear option here and is why I kind of went with him in this spot. And, you know, this is the team that is going light on running backs to start, you know, all pass catching talent with Jefferson Hill and and George Kittle. Yeah, this team is going to need some help here. They're going to need to get some running backs in the building here. Uh, I think with uh, 4.2, I don't don't want to spoil anything for you, but I would assume a running back's coming off the board for that team with 4.2 when we come back around uh, next week. Last pick, 3.12, joining Javante Williams and Devontae Adams. That my brain trying to say Javante and Devontae. Devontae, That way that hurt a little bit. Potentially teammates as well next year. Potentially. C.D. Lamb comes off the board here to close all Denver. It's fantasy teammates for this person's team. Uh, C.D. Lamb comes off the board here, 3.12. Chris, I have uh, a question Jamie, for you. No, no, please, no. turn yes. this around. Do you have any level of like concern that about C.D. Lamb next year, given the way the season ended? Yeah, I do. Uh, was a non-factor uh, in the playoff game was wide receiver 40 in fantasy points per game from week 11 on. Mari Cooper saw a bigger role. Dalton, Dalton Schultz, pending free agent, saw a bigger role. Uh, are you at least like I put him here and then I watched with some concern and then I watched the playoff game and then I got a little bit more concerned. Like I'm going to be honest with you. I don't necessarily love this pick that I made here, but like I don't hate it because like I know CeeDee Lamb's upside. Like I believe in the talent and he's got a great quarterback, but I guess I don't know. I just feel kind of, I don't know. I feel like a little weird about this pick. I don't know. Like there's just, there's like a little tingling in the back of my head that says, Eh, this is a little bit more riskier than it appears on the surface. This show, the two people on this show, were firmly entrenched in the Amari Cooper as Dallas wide receivers one camp for a large portion of the offseason in the beginning of the season. Correct? That is where you and I... It was incorrect. From a fantasy point yes. perspective, it was incorrect. Correct. Correct. But that I'm is where sure you and I'm I... Ha- I'm going to hear about on the roast of Jamie Eisner when you put that together. We, Can't wait. We have... I haven't started that yet. That project's coming soon. So you and I know where we stand on this Dallas offense. We think Amari Cooper is a wide receiver one. Jamie, I don't know, in all honesty, which pass catchers are going to be back for Dallas next season other than C.D. Lamb. They could trade Amari Cooper. Yeah. They Dallas could not hurt free agent, Cedric Wilson, free agent. Dalton they Schultz, could choose agent. to not franchise tag or resign Dalton Schultz because he's probably going to get a, a lot of suitors with the glow up that he had this season. So if I'm going to take everything you said and spin it positively, CeeDee Lamb is really the only guy that I feel extremely 100% confident in that he's going to be a pass catcher for the Dallas Cowboys next season. So I think from just that alone, I feel comfortable taking him again, back half of the third round, a wide receiver too, which I think is, is fair value even if Amari Cooper comes back, even if Dalton Schultz comes back. I think CeeDee Lamb still slots in as a wide receiver too in fantasy next season. So I think this is this is fair because, again, Jamie, I don't know what this Dallas offense looks like next season. I really don't. Yeah, and, and I'm looking at like 
I won't reveal it here because I'm going to do some reshuffling here, but I'm looking at kind of like the next receivers available. And obviously, Amari Cooper is, is one of them. Like, and that'll be another debate we have in the offseason uh, as a fantasy community. But, and look, you can make an argument like there are some other really good wide receivers out there right now. And I'm sure people are, are screaming about them at the moment. But, you know, th- there's part of me that goes like sometimes you want to bet on upside as well in, in here. And I feel like there are a lot of guys I feel better about their floors. But I don't necessarily love what their upside might be in in relation. We're like CeeDee Lamb, if in the right scenario here, we're talking about him again in wide receiver one territory. But I I will be honest with you. I I am a little apprehensive here more than I I think I would be. And I think think more apprehensive than most people will be when they take CeeDee Lamb in their fantasy drafts. But I do think there's at least enough reason to go like, huh. And by the way, I am assuming that they bring back all – not all those guys. I don't, I don't think they bring back Wilson and Gallup. But assuming they that Cooper obviously comes back, and then I'm assuming they re-signed Dalton Schultz for this. Uh, so that is what my mentality was when I put Lamb here. So if either one of those guys is gone, that's even more positive, as you said. I mean, Jamie, I'm just looking at names that you haven't come off the board with yet. Yeah. And I'm thinking out loud because the way that you do the, the thing, I have to control F and search and rem- make sure names haven't come off the board. But – you're gonna you're gonna take DK Metcalf over yeah, I mean, CD some, Lamb. Some of, the, some of the top names there: like Cooper, Metcalf, Higgins, Lockett. Lock There's Lockett off the board. Well, here's the thing: the Lockett Metcalf one, and we'll talk about that a little bit on on future shows. What if Russell Wilson's not there? Like, and and I very much had to couch what if Russell Wilson's not there in those guys' rankings. So, I think both those guys. If you guarantee me Russell Wilson will be back, I think they're in the conversation there, but. Because right now, I know Dak's going to play for Dallas. I don't know that Russell Wilson's going to play for Seattle. I have to factor that in. Right. I mean, Michael Thomas, DJ Moore, Hunter Renfro. I mean, these are just names that I'm throwing out. That Those are names uh, I feel comfortable not putting ahead of C.D. Lamb. Right. But but these are the names that I would put on a list of these are the guys we would debate with C.D. Lamb. That's what you're dealing with. And so I think when you factor all that in, I, I have no problem with, with, with CD closing out the third round here. Yeah. And, and again, some other guys that, I mean, I'm trying to see if there's anybody else here. Terry I mean, McLaurin. Terry McLaurin's going to be discussed, but we don't know what the quarterback situation is. Hollywood Brown. It's a guy that's going to get discussed. Um, Feeling. I mean, I mean, your guy, we'll talk about him. Uh, you know, Michael Thomas oh. is one that you already mentioned, but uh, the other yep. one that's going to get talked about some is, and spoiler, he'll, he'll be involved soon is your boy, Elijah Moore. Elijah Moore, yeah. So there's some rookie sophomores, other rookie so- rookies and sophomores coming up in the next few rounds. So, but again, I don't think you can really make the case for any of those guys over C.D. Lamb right now, right now. Uh, but I do think that I could see it happening in the offseason, but not right now. Some of it's just because of the quarterback situations. That is it for your way too early mock draft. You want to take the last ten minutes of the show and make picks for this week? I think I went six and zero last week. I think I went six and zero. You might. You have. didn't. You didn't because you did not join me in picking the 49ers. You. Stuck yeah, I'm mad because I went back and forth like sixteen times on that game. So yeah, should have no, joined I, me. Yeah, I should have. Uh, so we'll make picks. We'll do picks against the spread for this week of the four games. Uh, I have the lines courtesy of our friends at Bet Online. Again, promo code believe B L E A V. Titans three and a half point favorites against the Cincinnati Bengals. Jamie. This is a really difficult game because obviously we still don't technically know the status of Derrick Henry yet. I think we've all just made the assumption that Derrick Henry's playing in this game, and I kind of think he is, uh, but we don't know yet. Um, give me the Titans to, to cover. I'll tell you this. 
I think the Bengals are the road team that if I had to pick a road team money line, that would be the team that I would pick. Like for sure, they would be the top of my power rankings with the Bills. Oh, no, they, they would be the last one I would take. Of no, the road excuse, teams? No, I last. They'll be the second to last one I would take of the road teams. No, I think I would take Bengals money line plus 160. I think I would yeah, take second to last. But I am not. I'm taking the Titans minus three and a half. I just think they're a better team. Uh, if they do end up getting Derrick Henry back, which I think conventional wisdom says they are, I think that's a big difference maker. I will take the Titans minus three and a half. Uh, the Packers are six-point favorites at home against San Francisco. Uh, I'm out on the San Francisco team, by the way. Uh, the way they coached the fourth quarter, they are not going up to Lambeau and beating that team. I will take Green Bay minus the six. I'll make my pick very obvious here. Yeah, uh, I'll take the Packers in the points here. Packers are getting a little bit healthier. Jair Alexander, David Bakhtiari back. Uh, just well-rested. And as, as well as the 49ers can run the football, I think the Packers just have too, too many dominant players, and they're going to be able to take advantage of the secondary. We don't know the status of, of Bosa and Warner and all this other stuff. Uh, give me the Packers at home to win and cover. And this line keeps growing. It's opened at four and a half, and you and I both talked about this. Like, nah, not enough. The Bucks three-point favorites at home against the Los Angeles Rams. This game's tough, man. No, it's really not. Don't, do, don't, don't, don't talk yourself into it. They played the Cardinals – I'm gonna take the Bucks to to win and cover. Yeah, as I do think this is I do think this is gonna be a close game. Like if I had to take the money line for one of them, I'd still take the Bucks. But I do think this actually could be a field goal game. Bucks are really banged up, man. They are. They really, are really they are. banged they, up. And they At full strength, Eagles. I wouldn't have a lot of concern about it. But they're just really banged up. The Rams had to play Eric Weddle in the secondary this weekend. That is true. But like Eric Weddle versus Brashad Perriman and Scotty Miller. I'll take Scotty Miller and Brashad Perriman all day long. I'm also taking the Bucks minus three. Uh, the Kansas City Chiefs are two and a half point favorites at home against the Buffalo Bills. Jamie, preseason, take, I picked. Go ahead. I'll take the Bills in the points. I, I, I took the Bills in the preseason as my Super Bowl pick. How can I not pick them here? Like, how can I not? I know I said that I think Cincinnati's the road team that I would take because I just think them you against completely Tennessee. completely yourself, but that's okay. No, 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 no. Because if I, if, if I had to only pick one, I think I'm more confident in Cincinnati over Tennessee than I am Buffalo over Kansas City because I think Kansas City is better than Tennessee. It's my logic that I'm using. This is the, I okay. Just, I just confused everybody with the mental yeah, pretzel. Yeah, the logic still doesn't fit. In. I'm taking the Bills plus the two and a half because I just think the Bills yeah, are I, I'd buy the hook here if I needed to. But yeah, uh, I want that and I want the three. But uh, I'm really excited about this game. Like, I, I just here's my concern for KC. I just their defense is just so sporadic at times, and I really love the way that Josh Allen is playing. Um, I really love the way they're running the football, which has been the biggest difference for this Buffalo team in my mind. Because this is a team that just could not run the football at all the last couple of years, and their commitment with Devin Singletary has been really strong. They have a better run game right now than Kansas City, which is not something I thought I would say. Um, Man, this is this is a good round. This is going to be a really exciting game, particularly the Sunday games. Two Sunday games, I think, are going to be uh, one-score games. And we are back Sunday night to recap all four of these games because we will now know uh, what conference championship weekend will look like. So we will be back to recap that. Uh, Jamie, where can everybody follow you on social media and where can they find the, the in-depth breakdown of this uh, third-round mock and all the other rounds? Yes, you can find me on social at Jamie Eisner on Twitter, at Jamie Eisner TDN on Instagram, and then under the fantasy tab at thedraftnetwork.com, you'll be able to see the first three rounds of the fantasy football way too early mock draft. And then again, bookmark that page because I'll be adding a new round every single week from now through the Tuesday after the Super Bowl. 
Uh, so there'll be probably eight rounds in total. I'll add two rounds after Super Bowl just to be fun. Uh, so eight rounds in total. We're through the first three right now. So make sure you're checking that out and bookmark that over at thedraftnetwork.com. All right, everybody. Enjoy the rest of your week. Enjoy the playoff games over the weekend. We're back on Sunday to break them down. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.